This is Play-By-Play Cast. Is that faster than a greyhound? The podcast about play-by-play guys. For play-by-play guys, by I'm told, a play-by-play guy. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Now here's the host of Play-by-Play Cast, Todd Bodet. <laughs> Wait, the Motel 6 guy? We'll leave the light on for you. No, Joel Godet. Joe Godet. Joel. Joe. Joel? Joel, with an L. Okay, here's your host, Joel Godet. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Richardson's been the hot hand of the second half. He draws Brogdon now. Richardson squares up. Three ball online and right down the middle. And the Orange are up four. Malachi on the big stage. Skewering Virginia for the second time this season. Looking up court. Looking. Hits Ennis at three-quarter court. Couple of dribbles at midcourt. Eyes on the timer. 40-footer for Ennis. For Perfection. Oh! He got it! He got it! Perfection in Pittsburgh. The Orange have one of the peak. They're going to look at the clock. Jim Beheim says it's good and we're going to 24 and 0. We've hit the quarter century mark here on Play by Playcast, episode number 25 here this morning. If you're listening to this on time or this evening or this afternoon, whenever you've hit download or subscribe, we sincerely appreciate it. My name is Joel Godet. This is Play by Playcast, the podcast about play by play guys for play by play guys by a play by play guy. Our guest today is the voice of the Syracuse Orange. Matt Park, and we'll get to Matt here in just a little bit, guy that I go way back with uh, to the beginning of me being a broadcaster, at least attempting to. Uh, House cleaning as always, though, right out of the gate. If you want to reach out to us at PXPCast on Twitter, hashtag PXPCast, you can tweet at me individually as well, at Joel Godet, J-O-E-L-G-O-D-E-T-T. I continue to say, if if you want to email me, you can as well. I've never given out my email on this podcast but I'm impressed by the ability of people to find it so easily. Uh, it's on the interwebs. So <laughs> if you want to email me, uh, the challenge is there. You can reach out to me in uh, that form as well. And then, as we've always said, if you enjoy the podcast, if you want to rate it, review it, all those good things, it helps us in terms of iTunes and their algorithms. And I don't know what that means, but it, it it's good. And uh, if you enjoy the podcast and you know broadcast friends or Younger guys that want to get into broadcasting, give them a referral, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, it would be awesome. Really appreciate it and uh, help spread the word about what we've got uh, what we've got here in our little play-by-play cast community. Anyway, on to Matt Park. Matt is an interesting guy because he is the voice at Syracuse. And he's the voice at his alma mater, number one. But also he's the voice at a place that is widely considered to be, I'm a little biased, the top place to go to be a a broadcaster, a sports broadcaster, a play-by-play guy, however you want to divvy that up. Uh, If it's not number one in your mind, it's number two, three, four, somewhere in that conversation. And a lot of it stems from WAER, a little bit uh, of WJPZ too. There are two student radio stations there. There's a lot of crossover nowadays uh, in, in who does what. But WAER is kind of the mecca at Syracuse. Anybody who's really, anybody has come through there in their time, be it Bob Costas, be it Marv Albert, be it Sean McDonough, at the same time, in like a six-year window, you had Dan Horde, Bill Roth, Mike Tirico, I'm going to forget guys, Ian Eagle, we're all there at some sort of window together. It was a crazy time to try to get on air uh, in the late 80s. But, but there's a great pressure 
and Matt and I will talk about this in the podcast a little bit. We talked about it more once we went off air, but I wanted to lead with this because Matt and I talked about uh, the pressure and also kind of the pride that can come with the role he's in. Number one, the pressure, because you want to live up to the ideal of what Syracuse broadcasting is, both because you're the voice there and because you're an alum of the program. So you your work is very visible to the other alums and to other people that look into Syracuse, and it is an example of what comes from the program that so many people hold in high esteem. So there's an interesting pressure there, but then there's also uh, an, an amazing responsibility that I think Matt really cherishes to, to help bring along those next generations of broadcasters. And that's truly, you know, people always talk about what makes Newhouse and Syracuse and WAER uh, so great, and it's, as much as it's a great program and it's a great school and it's a great radio station with great opportunities, it's the people. And, I mean, at the end of the day, life is about people, and it's the people and the legacies that have been created at that place. And the fact that over time... Mike Tirico has not forgotten where he came from. And Sean McDonough has not forgotten where he came from. And Bob Costas has not forgotten where he came from. And Dan Horde and Tony Caridi and Bill Roth and so on down the line. You get into the 90s with Matt Park and Zach Zaidman and Andrew Siciliano. Uh, you get into the 2000s and Ish Shroff and Jason Benetti and Carter Blackburn. And all those guys, they've never forgotten where they were at WAER, and they're always so invested in bringing along that next crop of guys that Syracuse and WAER and Newhouse just seem to continuously churn out. So there's an amazing responsibility and relationship at that place. And I think there's some pressure inherent that comes along with that. Matt and I are going to talk about it. I probably did not do any of it justice with that rambling there, but Matt will dive into it a little bit more Uh, at some point in the course of this conversation about middle of the way through. That being said, where we started with Matt Park this week, he's talking to us from Madison, Wisconsin. Syracuse played uh, the Badgers earlier this week. It did not go well. Uh, But what also did not particularly go well was a football game they played against Pittsburgh last week, which I thought at first was a basketball score and had to do a double take because... I should have this at hand, but it was 70-something to 60-something. So with that being our starting point, I was curious what it's like to broadcast a game of that nature, how you keep it all straight, just the general overall feeling of that craziness. That's where we start with Matt Park here on Play-By-Play Cast. <laughs> that was pretty neat. Uh, you know, one, one of the great things about sports play-by-play is that you never know what you're going to get, and uh, every day or every game could be different. But uh, that was a lot of fun. It was hard to keep up with, of course. Uh, Syracuse plays at such a high tempo that that's a bit of a challenge uh, to begin with. And Pittsburgh scored on the first play four times. So just when you're kind of getting settled into a possession, it was over. Uh, But the back and forth and the offensive firepower on uh, both teams was uh, quite a display and uh, kind of fun to, to see that much action. It was like a not even a Big 12 game, you know, arena football or something broke out. They made the field look pretty small. What's it like for you in a game like that? Uh, seriously, I mean, trying to keep track of things, trying to keep track of stats, trying to keep track of, uh, I mean, at that point, history, record, looking that stuff up. Uh, how much of that stuff's being done for you? How much are you trying to scramble to do it? 
uh, in breaks and in time you've got, and, and how difficult is it to keep track of all that? Yeah, that one was challenging. Um, you know, I'm a person who keeps track of more stuff than most uh, play-by-play guys. I write a lot down football and basketball. It's it's probably from my baseball background. I'm, I'm used to keeping a scorecard as we go along. And, uh, and so in football, I'm always writing down every play, uh, who carried the ball, what's the new line of scrimmage, how much was gained on that play, was it a first down or not, a uh, bunch of other things that we're kind of tracking. And yeah, it becomes difficult. And I, I did get burned one time. They uh, Pittsburgh snuck a player in the game that I hadn't really considered. And, um, you know, it was the only time he, I think it might've been the only play he played, but he, you know, streaks off a 70 yard run. And I'm like, who the heck is this? You know? And, uh, so that, um, is kind of embarrassing when that happens typically on the road. Well, at home, I've got, um, you know, one person who, we've just kind of built a routine where he keeps kind of play-by-play stats and he might either write me a note if there's something, uh, some observation that comes up or flash a hand signal, uh, you know, Syracuse is two for five on third down, something like that. Um, If it's a punt, we have a, or even any type of play, we've got a grid between us that has the numbers on it, one to 100. And um, he might, on a punt point to 47 yards, uh, typically on plays gained, I'm, I'm doing that math myself in my head, you know, that the guy gained 28 yards, you know, and stepped out of bounds. But if he beats me to it or, or something like that, or if I'm whiffing on it, he's, he's there to, to uh, point that out on the road. Uh, very often we would be by ourselves. Um, just my partner, Chris Gedney and myself, and in this case, I had uh, a former college friend, uh, Tim Benz, who's uh, down there in Pittsburgh, was coming to the game anyway just for fun. So I said, hey, why don't you kind of sit and, and spot or help? And so he kind of sat there and, uh, you know, maybe pointed out a tackler or when things were going like that, he started to look stuff up as well. I, I did some of it myself um, and he, he did his share. I mean, I, I kind of know where to look or, or have the have the perspective of, um, what types of things are noteworthy, but when it really started getting wacky, you know, giving up 60, 70 points, that type of thing, he, he was quick to to point to our paperwork and homework and media guide and that type of stuff to say, hey, this is the first time Syracuse has given up 70 since uh, 1891, <laughs> which unfortunately – that actually was a little closer to the top of the mind than it should have been because in the second game of the season, Syracuse gave up 62 points to Louisville. So we had already started to think about that. True. Um, but, but in this one, uh, he was the one, I think that, uh, looked up or maybe it was when McGedney actually, in this case, looked up the, you know, what happened, what was going on in the world in 1891. <laughs> and I think one of the Daily Orange kids pointed out that the uh, the Wright brothers, you know, hadn't started doing their thing yet. But that game that Syracuse gave up 75 to Union in 1891 was something like November 11th. And on November 10th, the electric railway was invented. So <laughs> it was like literally the fir- first full day in America with an electric railway is the last time they gave up that many points. So th- that's the type of stuff that I, uh, I like to do and to share with the audience and it makes for a good little Twitter 
nugget, but uh, that's kind of the process of how it comes out. What do you write down? Because, uh, I mean, I've got a stats guy at home, too. He doesn't come on the road with me, and I've tried to do the stuff I have him do at home on the road as I'm doing everything else. Um, I mean, I try to track, like, targets and completions and drops for different receivers just so I know, I mean, quarterbacks completed X number in a row to this number of guys, and I'll usually last about a quarter doing it myself without missing something. Um, what do you keep track of on your own, uh, and, and how's that help you? Well, if if I was only tracking that stuff, I think I could do a pretty good job. And I would, you know, I'm very, as you know, Joel, I'm into the charts and the forms sure. and the, uh, I've got that stuff probably overthought to a larger degree than, than anybody. Um, if I was just doing that and stats, I could probably keep up and do a pretty good job, but that would be using an entirely different uh, kind of piece of paper in front of me that wouldn't sort of have the notes that I worked up during the week and, and that type of thing. So, I, and I don't really have the interest in doing that um, going forward because most of that stuff is right there in front of you on a stat monitor that's provided nine times out of 10. True. Uh, and those are sophisticated enough and they're not there every game, but those are sophisticated enough that you can click around and to do some of the things that you're talking about. Um, number of consecutive completions and that type of thing, I guess, if you, if you wanted to do it. That's also that's pretty pretty next level, really. I mean, as far as what somebody might be expected to, to track over the course of the game, especially while, while calling it. Um, and in basketball, you know, you can track runs and stuff. Like I said, I probably do write down uh, more than most. Um, after every play, so Dante Strickland runs for – from the 20 to the 26, I will have said, I will have written down that the drive started at, um, you know, 15 minutes of the second quarter at the 20 yard line. And then the next play he, he runs to the 26, I would write four, 26, six. So uniform number four went to the 26 gain of six. So the next play is a completion to, uh, Amba Edatawo to the 38. I would write seven. That's his uniform number 38, the new York line of scrimmage. 12, that's the yard it's gained. I'd circle the 38. It's the first down. Got it. And and keep that going. And at the end of the drive, how did the drive end? Punt, field goal, made or miss, touchdown, whatever it might be, uh, new score, drive information if it was a scoring drive, uh, maybe one key play, uh, there was a penalty on third and eight that uh, prolonged the drive, something like that. And, you know, over the course of the game um you know that sort of progresses to now where i can go back and look this is the best starting field position since blank uh they've uh, scored in four straight possessions they've punted in three of the last four those types of uh observations that are are drawn from just keeping a drive chart in basketball again probably more than most i keep uh points fouls free throws running score timeouts of course um I've got a, you know, it's a, for each player, like a lot of guys, I've got a track of, you know, one to 25. And as a guy scores the points, I'm crossing it off. Yep. Well, his career high is highlighted. So as soon as he gets near that or over that, I, I've got it. I, I use a blue pen in the first half and a red pen in the second half. I, I circle a three pointer. So I could, you know, instantly say this is his fourth three pointer of the game. It's his third of the second half, blah, 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 blah. Um, so th- those are little tricks you kind of, uh, develop over time that 
allow you to a little more seamlessly uh, deliver that information. What's particular? I know uh, we've talked about charts before, and I, I know I've seen uh, yours back when, when I was in school. Um, what's particular about the way that you do them and, and unique that, uh, that really helps you in the week preparing? Well, mine is, um, again, probably unique to, to the industry. I, my whole sheet that I print out is a Microsoft Excel series of formulas. So I don't really type anything on the page. It's all it's all formulas pulling information from typing it elsewhere, um, and in some cases pulling in stats and figures automatically. So the sheet itself has a level of detail on it that I probably wouldn't have if I started from scratch. For instance. In a football sheet, it'll pull in um, a team's ranks in the NCAA in any number of categories, right? Well, if they're the top 20 in something, it automatically turns red. That's hot. That's good. If they're in the bottom 20 in something, it automatically turns blue. That's bad. Cold. Um, Same thing with the career highs. If I put in a career high of 18, in basketball, then the, the number 18 on that number line going across is automatically turned purple to stick out. Uh, a, a lot of things, you know, along along those lines that are, uh, it might do some math. It might um, take the number of fumbles recovered and the number of interceptions gained and add that up to be the number of takeaways, and then it might do the giveaways and spit out a turnover margin. Um, you know, those so there, there's a lot of, um, I guess, kind of extra layers of stuff that, you know, to me, it falls in the category of if I was doing this by hand, which I do once in a while, um, I probably would stop short of doing that. Uh, or you'd make a mistake. Um, so that's kind of a, a way around it. Pronunciations, I can type in a guy's pronunciation and it can override his real name. That, that's not something that I prefer, but... Uh, some people do, and I've I've built a little under the table business that Uncle Sam doesn't need to know about. Uh, <laughs> kind of make char- charts for guys, and uh, some people do prefer that. Um, so that that's probably um, unique to to what I, my routine. But I've you know feel like I've developed a routine that works for me, and you know anybody out there can do what works for them. As, as I say to students, I mean you you could come in like Al McGuire, if you want, with a stack of cocktail napkins, as long as you have a plan, you have retained the information, you you understand that it's your job to deliver something to the audience, to bring something to the table. Um, it's just that it's not acceptable to not know the school record or career high or, or this or that because it's on the 38th of those 50 cocktail napkins yeah uh you know so you know whatever whatever works for you um you know so i think most of us have more or less the same uh kind of structure and and um depending on dealer's choice or, or personal preference you see some variation if i can go big picture with you um i want to go all the way back uh to the beginning if i can uh how much of oh, a uh yeah how much of a syracuse fan did you grow up and when did you kind of have the, the inclination that uh, 
going to SU and, and following kind of the broadcaster path was something you wanted to, to, uh, to do? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, the fan part of it would probably not be as big as some other guys only because of uh, the slightest bit of isolation or the way that I was brought up. I didn't grow up uh, in the city or even with cable TV. You know, I grew up kind of out off the beaten path uh, in the country a little bit, not the complete boonies, but we didn't have cable. And we went to uh, maybe one game a year. Uh, my uncle took a lot of us cousins to uh, to one game, and it was just an unbelievable experience and exciting. And um, you, you walk in and, you know, completely overwhelmed by the size of the dome and the sights and the sounds and, and all of that. I mean, I, I couldn't have told a dive play from an option from a post pattern, you know, any of that. So as a kid, so, um, and with basketball, you know, one of the big days of the year would be a couple of the guys. And it's funny because with, you know, some age and perspective, you realize that it might've been like two walk-ons or, you know, the, the sixth and seventh guys on the roster or whatever, a couple of the players would come to a school assembly, you know, maybe every year, or every other year. And that was like an electric day, <laughs> like, you know, Oh my God, it's Gene Waldron or it's Andre Hawkins or, or whatever out of these. Oh my, they're, they're Syracuse basketball players. And, you know, those guys were held in such high regard and, and thought to be stars that it was, uh, you know, an incredible thrill to be in their presence, you know, and, <laughs> Then you kind of realize hey, they're just like twenty-year-old uh, college kids, you know, like <laughs> everybody else. But um, but broadcasting was um, something that I really got interested in in high school. I think up until then, I was very into sports and consuming anything I could find. You know, I had a couple of older cousins that uh, we played everything in the backyard, and um, you know, I really learned sports. I read everything and was a trivia whiz and. Uh, you know, want to know how to, you know, the rules and how to compute statistics and uh, the history of stuff and all that kind of thing, like everybody else. And then I think one of the fortunate things for me is when some adults kind of recognize that and, and take some interest in helping you out or helping you pursue what you're passionate about, and that's what, you know, great educators and are doing all over America. Um, you know, my high school baseball coach and athletic director kind of hooked me up with a couple things just to stoke my interest a little bit and put me in touch with the local small town radio station that was broadcasting a lot of the local high school sports. And I got an opportunity just to kind of hang around those guys and see what they did and uh, just sort of get my first chance to go on the air. I would, at a high school football game, I would keep the stats and maybe as a junior or senior, I'd go on the air at halftime and say, you know, nervously that, uh, Brian Lucy has uh, 28 passing yards in the first half or whatever it might be. So um, so that that was kind of the first uh, indoctrination to any of it. And then you just tried to do more and more. And I was fortunate that the school that's, that's best in the country for what I wanted to do for a living happened to be in my backyard and happened to be the place that my grandmother and, and father went to school. And, and so there really was uh, no choice for me. Uh, you, you wound up, I know you did the minor league baseball path for a while and you were down at UNCG for a couple of years. Um, how did you wind up coming back and how did you wind up getting the opportunity to, uh, to be employed at, at the place where you grew up and the, and the place you went to school? Yeah. Well, I almost came back a year earlier. Um, so I want to say 
it was the you know spring of one or, or getting about to be the spring of one and I was talking with the people at Syracuse, uh, Michael Veely, who at the, the time was in athletics administration, now uh, works in the sport management school and, and does a great job uh, running that. Um, and I was going to come back and be the basketball color guy and the lacrosse play-by-play guy. And they ended up um, having the opportunity to have Roosevelt Bowie do the basketball games and I think they figured it out on on uh, lacrosse. And I think the lacrosse guys probably turned out to be like Carter Blackburn, <laughs> you know, people like that. <laughs> um, so it, so they went in a different kind of direction that time to stay a little more uh, local with the people they had instead of instead of bringing me in. And then the next time around, uh, well, then when Dave Pash left, they kind of decided, hey, let's let's do this a little differently. So um, at that time, you know, I applied for the the number one job and, and Mark Johnson got it. Um, and I figured, you know what, it's, it's, uh, a smart play for me here to the baseball thing had, um, I felt like there, there was nothing more I was going to do in baseball that was going to get me closer to the major leagues necessarily, that this was actually a, a closer step to the major leagues. Sure. Uh, and when I say that, I don't mean Major League Baseball trademark. I mean big time. And and obviously Syracuse had an appeal, and doing something different had an appeal, and, and all these kinds of things. So um, I came in to do football hosting, basketball color, lacrosse, play-by-play. And after two years, Mark uh, got an opportunity to go on to Denver to be the sports director at KOA and the play-by-play guy at uh, Colorado. And he's been out there this whole time, and I'm happy for him now to, to see that Colorado is winning in both uh, football and basketball, really, for the, the first time since he's been out there. Yeah. Uh, so that so it's worked out well for everybody concerned. And, uh, you know, I've been thrilled to have the job I have, and and uh, it's close to home, and my family loves that. And, you know, all, all of those things are are pretty cool and uh, I don't miss as many weddings anymore and, and that type of thing. But uh, certainly, you know, growing up and starting to learn the business, I always thought it'd be cool to have this job. And now I think it is cool to have it. Uh, is there a, a an interesting pressure to being the voice at Syracuse too? A, because it's your alma mater, uh, but B, because of the, I mean, there's always going to be that built in, like, uh, I don't want to say like critique method where like, I mean, it's, it is such a great school for what it is. So you've got a bunch of professors that have all done this for a living too. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Is there a different feel to it because of, of where yeah. it is? It's a great question. Um, now I think if I was at anywhere else, I would feel the pressure to do my job the best uh, that I could anywhere because I want to be a pro and, sure. and do good work. But you're absolutely right. I, I think at Syracuse, there is a difference. Um, there's a feeling that you want to approach it a certain way. And the next guy and the next guy and the next guy are around you all the time. You know, so I, I feel the pressure every day that's put on by Brian Higgins. <laughs> Brian is really good. And I, I'm not saying, hey, he's out to get my job. I'm saying I can't slack because I – I'm not going to, I don't want to let my level uh, dip or be shown up by somebody who delivers every time. Um, we just had this weekend, I, I was doing the football game 
Brian was doing the women's basketball, so we needed somebody to do the men's basketball game in Brooklyn, and we used Bill Spaulding. So Bill's a 2013 grad. Uh, well, the 2013 grad at Syracuse just worked the Olympics, <laughs> you know, and is on is on the air all the time yeah. um, and calls a lot of games, you know, in and around the Boston area, and I knew he would be awesome, and so it went great. And then, um, you know, I say to my partner after, hey, it was, you know, he's like, oh, it was great to work with a pro for once, you know, that, that type of stuff. <laughs> so th- I know that there's not a drop-off uh, when it comes to, you know, working in some of these guys, and I'm, you know, happy that that's the case. I wouldn't want it any other way. We want to deliver the best for the audience too, but uh, absolutely. I I think to set an example for the students to whatever degree I do that uh, is important. I I think if I were lazy or a slacker or unprofessional, that would, uh, hopefully I'm not, um, that would be a a bad sign for those guys, you know, at at WAER or whatever, you know, the, the students coming through. So try to lead by example and hope I'm getting it right part of the time where's the area that you uh over the last 13 15 years uh think you've gotten uh better the most and uh what's one or two or three things that still bugs you and that you you work on uh mm. when you listen back to stuff even today yeah that's a good question i, I might have to to punt on that i mean <laughs> getting getting better i don't i don't know i, I think you know, among the, the bigger challenges are sort of the management of your time um, and and how how you spend it and how you, you know, sort of keep uh, perspective on, on everything. Um, you know, what bugs me, there, there's, I'm pretty, pretty tough on myself and my work. And I think most of us are our own worst critic. You want to be perfect every time. So anytime I screw up, um, which is just going to happen uh, that I kind of, I'm not real proud of myself. Like I said, this happened the other day. I, um, you know, the, the, the thinner spread you get, what I would say advice to people, build a routine that makes you as rock solid as you can be and don't deviate from it. So one thing that I've gotten away from that I'm, I'm not proud of is I, have gotten out of the routine before a football game, to be honest with you, of sitting down and memorizing the numbers of the other team. And you can't do that. <laughs> you know, I, I, that, that's even if it's 10 minutes to sit there and, and, and to work it through. And I have a routine that I used to do. I just haven't done it as much lately for various reasons that burns you. And it's, it's just the worst feeling in your stomach. At least it is for me. Um, the other thing that probably at this point, I wish I, um, when it comes to interviews and stuff, I've probably, uh, slacked off is not the right word, but I, I probably prioritize the, um, easy rapport. I think all the interviews I do have a, have a decent rapport, um, with the subject. I need to stay on myself to focus and like this case, I'm on the road. I've got a little more time. I'll do a better job of asking better questions, you know? So those are a couple of things that I think um, as your quantity of work goes up, the quality dips a little bit. I think that's only natural. Um, But if you know what you're doing and what you're looking for, uh, if you stay attentive to detail, I I think you can work through that. How much do you still get a chance to listen back uh, as much as you want? 
you know, um, a little bit. It's funny because a lot of it you get through just kind of osmosis with the technology. I don't think I ever established time to say, hey, I'm going to go listen to my game today or watch my game today. Um, but just because there's so many other things going on. Now, that being said, part of my weekly routine is to, in a way, to check those things. Uh, we're fortunate where Time Warner Cable airs a condensed game show around the football games. So they shoot the game, they pair it with our audio, and then they cut it down to an hour and play it back on Tuesday nights. So I watch that every week to get a familiarity with the game again and to have it you know, fresh in my mind and to watch it from a different perspective and to hear the play-by-play over the top of it. Uh, highlights and those types of things that we have access to, I listen to every game. Um, just as routine. Now, do I, you know, go back and listen? That's in the summer. I'll get a game, you know, one football, one basketball, or more, and I'll throw them in my car. And as I'm driving around, you know, it might take a week to listen through a four-hour broadcast, but um, I'll, I'll pick that up, you know. And and that's kind of, in that case, looking for the broader strokes of interaction with the partner, production, the features, the, the types of stuff that we, we do there. So uh, probably could spot check a, a little bit more, but uh, I've got a pretty good idea of, of what we sound like, I think. That's interesting, too, because the uh, the TV side of it, you can kind of check yourself, I guess, in hindsight and see how, I don't want to say how accurate you were, but, you know, did I did I describe it the best I am? Because you, you're, you're seeing it twice, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, that's when I'm doing that. That's what I'm looking for. Did I, did I uh, nail it? You know, did I use the kind of the words that I, if I had a second chance at it, would I've used the same descriptive verbs and and that type of thing? I mean, to be completely geeky about it, was I on top of the play and you know the, the, those sorts of things? And I, I think once you've been at it a while, you hopefully you build up a certain level of consistency. There's areas of things that are not really a concern but you always want to um you know do what you can to stay as sharp as possible and and i, I think those are good ways to check it uh a couple more things and i want to let you uh, I'll, I'll turn you loose on on madison um i've asked this to a couple of guys that that work with uh, some interesting head coaching figures um so i'll ask it to you as well uh, how has working with jim Beheim made you a better broadcaster well you better know your stuff um and it, yes, I was going to say be prepared kind of in the same breath. Um, he, everybody obviously that's covered Syracuse and certainly all the former Daily Orange and, and WAER kids all have a story of, oh, the, the look I got when I asked yep. a bad question or whatever, and everybody knows he <laughs> kind of holds you to that standard. Yeah, I've been there. You know, <laughs> I, what I find with Coach is that he, particularly when we're doing his weekly radio show, one of the outs with him, like he's not the jerk who says that's not a good question or that wasn't even a question, like some people will say. Sometimes I don't say questions at all. I mean, we could do an hour-long show with me just popping around the scoreboard of other games and, hey, coach, how's the Pac-12 going? Or, hey, that was a nice win for Duke, and I could back out of the way for two minutes um, because he's so knowledgeable and so smart and watches everything and has a take on a lot of stuff. 
Um, so that is not as difficult as people think. Um, you know, the pregame, we taped the day before at home and, you know, several hours before the game on the road. I'll be getting ready to do that here in a, in a little bit after lunch. Um, I really want to feel like I am probing him for something that the listeners will find interesting. Um, you know, he will fall into a routine of every other team is well coached and they're going to be a challenge and it's about us, not them and, and those types of things. And, you know, if he says that, then we'll get by, we'll, we'll kill the four minutes the, the same way. Um, but I'd like to find out, you know, what's new about this game. How, how does he view coming off the South Carolina loss? Was that a, you know, diagnostic of his team to reveal some issues that, need to be worked on how does he foresee them winning in a tough place here at wisconsin etc uh and sometimes they're things that i'm plainly curious about sometimes they're you know newsy items maybe if it's an injury status or something like that and how will a player be used or or whatever and so just trying to get to those those nuggets i mean he's going to say what he wants to say almost regardless of my question I used to walk away from those thinking, oh, man, I, why didn't I ask this or, or that? Or I should have taken a better angle at something to, to get a better response. Um, and then I, after years of doing it, realized, again, he's going to say what he wants to say, almost irrespective of how I set it up. Uh, but what I'm trying to do is sort of push the buttons to elicit, you know, get him basically to say things that I think the listener will find interesting. So if, uh, if I do that halfway decent, then I, I feel like I've done my job. The, uh, the other thing I wanted to get to on a different front, but I should back up too, by the way, yeah. and just say, you know, the, the trade-off, the other part of like being with, with coach Beheim is obviously the level to which he's worked the program and the way he sort of includes everybody. The practices are open, the, you know, that type of stuff, the working conditions, um, in terms of dealing with him and his staff and the, and the players, there are you know numerous benefits that I know don't really exist at other places. Or to think that uh, when you come to a new town like this and uh, there's a there's a dinner, well there's a dinner for 40 people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> everybody but everybody but the players and you know he and my partner are tight and, and everybody's included in that. And, and obviously they play great events and great tournaments and have great teams every year. So uh, those are all a credit to him as well. Uh, the other thing I wanted to, to get to you with a uh, similar question, but in a different realm. Um, I know you've run the sportscaster U for God, how long has that gone now? Is that a decade or uh, I think, yeah, summer of 08, I think was our first one. Yeah. Uh, working with different athletes and kind of doing the, getting them adjusted to, to broadcasting. Um, what has it been like to do that? Uh, what have you learned about, what analysts go through, uh, and then in turn, how has that made you a better broadcaster in terms of working with analysts, but also uh, kind of prepping analysts uh, and and breaking sure. in new guys? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, overall, obviously, it's been awesome, um, and I appreciate your your asking. It's been a great experience to work with the NBA Players Association and um, to get to know you know forty, fifty, sixty NBA players that we've had uh, through the program over time and uh, some of them gone right back to playing and have, you know, done a great job and their name guys, you know, um, Andre Iguodala and Richard Jefferson, you know, guys, you, you flip on and they're playing for the NBA championship 
uh, they came through our program and were, were tremendous to be around and will be successful in whatever it is that they choose to do, uh, broadcasting or otherwise, after their, their playing days. Uh, part of it goes back to the answer about you know being in the Syracuse culture or being around students or, in my case, former students, whatever it might be. That if you're going to teach or run a seminar or whatever, there's an obligation on you to do it right. Now, different people might vary in their definition of what is doing it right, but you want to provide an example, if it, even if nothing else, than in work ethic or accountability or you know discipline when it comes to the uh, preparation or getting yourself organized or, or just kind of having the basic uh, techniques that are sort of a starting point for any of this that we do. Uh, with those guys, with with the NBA players, you know, one of my biggest takeaways in, in being associated with that program over time is these guys are used to being coached. They're used to being good. That's that's the other thing. I mean, so they struggle with struggling <laughs> when when they come in, and this is hard for them to do television. You know, for for me to say, hey, uh, I need you to uh, look into this camera and give me a one minute riff on you know, why the Golden State Warriors are or are not the greatest team in NBA history, well, they're going to screw that up the first time, as any of us did or or would. But now this comes as naturally to us as playing basketball comes to them, and it's not by accident. It's because of the hours and hours and hours that have been put into studying it and practicing and executing. Um, so those guys, one of the first hurdles we try to get over is Look, don't beat yourself up because you didn't crush it the first time. You you have to um, put the work in on this just like everything else. Now, here are the ways that we can help you get better faster, and here's what you're looking to improve on the, ne- the next time around. Um, that's what I tend to, to work on with them. I, I think the biggest takeaway for them is almost always I'm surprised how much work is involved here. Uh, you know, they – might think that, oh, you know, I'll just get done playing and I'll go into television, it'll be easy. And if anything, hopefully we open their eyes to the amount of discussion and preparation that goes on uh, behind the scenes. How was Shaq? Shaq was just incredible. I mean, he's a <laughs> super bright guy, way, way more than anybody would give him credit for. Um, charisma off the charts, obviously. And for that reason, we, you know, take nor deserve um, any credit for um, for what he's done and his TV gigs and all that. I mean, he certainly could have gotten a television gig just by picking up the phone at any point. Uh, the fact that he came to have kind of an educational process speaks very well of him and, and uh, uh, his intelligence level and everything else. But uh, a number of incredible stories uh, from that time. He's a super smart, funny guy and uh, and will obviously <laughs> – achieve whatever it is that uh, that he sets out to do. Uh, Matt, I will let you go to uh, to enjoy uh, downtown Madison, but uh, I appreciate you giving us some time and, and sharing some insight. And uh, we're going to post this at the end of the week, so uh, I'm just going to assume okay. assume the Orange won and a uh, great game by uh, by all. <laughs> yeah, we'll just skip the game then. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, no, that, that, that's why they play the games. But uh, <laughs> no, it's fun, Joel. Uh, proud of you and, and, and all the guys that are kind of out there uh, doing their own thing, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk through some of this stuff. <laughs> Well, that is indeed why you play the games, isn't it? <laughs> I just assumed, I don't want to say I assumed Syracuse was going to win. I just kind of hoped 
And then Nigel Hayes almost had a triple-double. Can we give the guy a triple-double? He missed a free throw. Actually, that's a great thing to tell kids. Free throws are important, kids, because if you miss one, you might miss a triple-double and then nearly cry on television. Uh, Nigel Hayes seems like an awesome dude, by the way, just from over the years. But, uh, yeah, it did did not go well for... uh, <laughs> for the orange of uh, of late this past couple of games on the hardwood. Uh, anyway, many thanks to Matt Park for joining us. Matt, uh, incredible guy to talk to when it comes to preparation. So intricate with what he does, and I think there's probably a lot to pull out of what he said there. I thought, as we talked about off the top, the discussion about the kind of Syracuse legacy, what that place means to the guys that have come through it, and how they continue to support the guys that are there now and in the past. Uh, is just incredible, and it's an amazing responsibility to be the voice at Syracuse and be a part of that also. Uh, and I just, I can't personally thank Matt enough for what he's done for me. When I go back to when I was a student and I was doing soccer and volleyball and field hockey broadcasts for SU Athletics, I don't know why he let me do it, but he did uh, with some other folks, and now I'm here. I don't know what that means, but someone's you, you got to start doing something somewhere. So uh, many thanks personally from me to Matt for some opportunities he created early on in my career. All right, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, awesome guests coming up next week. We're going to talk a ton about video games. If you've been on our Twitter feed, you know who it is. If, uh, if not, you can go to our Twitter feed and see who it is. And if I said video games and that gave it away, uh, we've got the voice of Madden on next week. And we're going to get a, a nice little behind-the-scenes scoop from... You know what? Spill the beans. Brandon Godden is going to be our guest next week here on Play by Play Cast. Until then, we say so long uh, until Friday morning. My name's Joel Gadette. This is Play by Play Cast. Hit it, Marshmallow, because we're out. Yeah.